Welcome to the Keegan Smith Podcast. Choose what you give your life to or have it stolen from you. My mission is to rewire for power. We've all been gifted massive potential. This podcast is about unwrapping that gift. What if you could? Potentiating wellness, abundance, and movement. Today's podcast is proudly brought to you by Real Movement Level 1. Real Movement was started in 2014 to help coaches get better. Since that time, it's helped over 70 of its members open new training facilities and dozens of its members get started working in professional teams. Some of those coaches are now running programs in professional teams around the world. The program is designed not just around increasing your knowledge. You can go and sit on YouTube all day and hear information about just about anything out there. What this program is about is about you experiencing and taking on your best self. You get three days face-to-face and three months of online development. Get into it. All right, so here we go. The number one motivation for most people to get into strength training and go to the gym is because they want to look better, right? So how do we objectively measure what that result is? If we know where people want to get to, if we have some objective measures on where they are right now, then that is something that's achievable. The majority of people who reach out to me, you know, messages on on Instagram and people looking to work together, majority of the time they're like, I would like to have a better body or I would like to build some muscle or I would like to be leaner or all the above. But I ask for some numbers and there's, they, don't, they have no starting position and therefore their their goal is completely unachievable. If there's not a point where you can say, yes, that happened or no, that didn't happen, then you really don't have anything to uh, to work towards. And you might think, well, of course, you know, of course that can happen. I want a better body. Well, what is a better body? What does a better body look like in numbers? If you can tell me what it is in numbers, then we can make it happen. Um, that's really what, you know, what we want to figure out, you know, like, is, is there a number that goes with how big you want to be? Is there a number that goes with how lean you want to be? And then we work on, you know, what it's going to take to do that. And we can have an idea of what kind of timelines might be required. Without those numbers, it's very difficult for us to, to put a plan together and to have some confidence that we're going to get there. So, um, one thing that we need to do and want to do is evaluate body composition. Okay. So this in itself is a big topic and I'll briefly discuss it here. Um, there are a number of methods you can use to evaluate body composition. The first and most simple ones, and, and probably for people who have a huge change to make, these are fine. Okay, so tape measure, uh, waist to height ratio, how round you are versus how tall you are. When those, num- those numbers start to approach each other, we know that there's a lot of trouble coming in terms of health. You're in deep shit when your waist is as big as your height. Okay, um, that ratio, as that ratio improves, the height isn't going to change, so the waist, waist has to come down. When the waist is coming down, that's a really good sign in terms of uh, body composition. Uh, if your goal is to be lean, if your goal is to be a sumo wrestler, then not so much. But we're going to assume for the most part that people want to get leaner and more muscular uh, because that's the most common sort of thing that we're going to see. Okay, so tape measure is good. Photos are also good. Initially, when we're getting huge changes, it's, it's great to see a big shift. Subjectively, things that people are going to really enjoy is belt sizes, waist sizes, how your clothes are fitting. Okay, so those are the things for the overweight and obese majority. Um, that is the majority of the population, but it's 
still a minority of people who um, I'm going to deal with and who are you know involved in elite sport in a more elite setting and for people who have you know some sort of basis of self-control um, hormonal balance you know they've been putting some work into these things over a period of time then those measures are, are going to be much less useful you can definitely still use them and photos uh, are ultimately what you know bodybuilding is is judged on that visual but in terms of objectively saying did i win this week or did i lose this week those measures are going to become less and less valuable how your clothes are fitting you know um, your waist to height ratio how you look in photos week to week very difficult okay so we want to know did we win this week maru di pasquale is one of the guys that i really love uh in 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 the area of um diet for bodybuilding powerlifting you know athletic sort of high performance diet He, he came up with the anabolic diet um and yeah i think um listening to him i think he he had even he had even more things worked out than what come across in his books, you know, listening to some of his podcasts recently and hearing him say that fat refeeding may actually be just as effective as carbohydrate refeeding and one high carbohydrate meal per week or per fortnight might be the better option for some people rather than a whole weekend of carbohydrates. Anabolic diet is, is a whole separate conversation, but basically you want to be able to evaluate week to week, did I win this week or did I lose this week, okay? Uh, or did I draw, you know? But did you know, were we on target? Is this going to plan and adjust from there, okay? Week to week is, is a really good way to work. Now, some of the, res- the effects of what we do are going to be long-term. They're going to be residual. For some people, it's going to be okay to know that in three months' time, they're you know, going to be tested or going to be you know, evaluated and that will be enough but that event has to hold a lot of importance if that's going to actually cause true urgency for today's actions. In terms of today's actions being very important, I think end of the week accountability is a much better place to be. Okay, so what can we be measuring then? Firstly, uh, morning body weight is where where it starts. Unless you have, um, and this goes for the whole conversation really, if you have some kind of eating disorder, um, a psychological illness that, you know, that probably excludes you from this conversation. There's probably other, you know, battles to take on and, and therapies to undergo uh, before you consider, you know, what we're talking about today. And this is probably, yeah, not, not all that relevant. For, but for people who, who wouldn't place themselves or haven't been placed in that kind of category, then morning body weight is going to be a really relevant one. So I do mine after I go to the toilet. I go to the toilet first thing every morning, information that you really wanted to know. Um, but I'll take that body weight after that, and it's it's pretty you know consistent. Some days you're going to be slightly more dehydrated. Some days you're going to have slightly more systemic inflammation. But for the most part, if you average that out over the week, over the month, over the quarter, then it's telling you if you're gaining weight or if you're losing weight. If you measure your body weight once a week, if you measure your body weight once a month, then you may miss on that day. You may be dehydrated on that day and you, you miss your data for a week or you miss your data for a month and therefore you can't really evaluate your progress. Okay, so a weekly evaluation is, is really what we want to do and the best way to do that is built on the back of um, daily morning body weights. The other measure that I really like there 
in terms of measuring body fat. Okay, we've got the options of uh, biosignature or uh, skinfold testing. The biosignature is an algorithm applied to skinfold testing. You know, it's been done under a few different brands. Wolfgang Unzold has his own brand of it now, and uh, Charles Poliquin has his own brand within the Strength Sensei. Originally, it was Biosig. They, they work around the same concept. I believe, believe it was develop, developed together with uh, Dr. Eric Serrano, basically show, uh, working on the principle that fat deposition will be dependent on hormones. Okay, so women deposit fat differently to men, and therefore there is obviously a, a, a hormonal basis for where fat is deposited. Um, body fat develops around the site of insulin injection in diabetics. Um, same same thing. It proves to us that there is a hormonal basis uh, for body fat deposition. Uh, anecdotally and, you know, among in bodybuilding scene, very lean triceps show high levels of androgens. Okay, so if a woman starts to have striations in the triceps, very unlikely that they're a natural lifter. This is the, the Charles Poliquin um, sort of diagnosis of whether a woman is, is using anabolics. So you'll see a lot of women who are very lean, great six packs, you know, they're, they're super lean, but you, you won't see striations in the triceps uh, very often in, in the female. So there is definitely a basis to that of, of where fat be, is being deposited and, and ha- what's going on with hormones. If men start to have the fat deposition profile of women, then that's that's a real concern. A lot of fat deposition in the um, in the thighs, in the in the chest, in the pecs. Uh, you know, like that's that's really not what you want to see, and it shows that underlying there's there's something going wrong. Um, so, I I do like that method. I think that there is a lot of uh, value and validity to applying specific protocols. Mostly, you'll find that the lifestyle component of the protocols based on the results that come with the testing, things that are going to be good anyway. So it's going to say you need to put more emphasis into your sleep quality or you need to put more emphasis into removing uh, exogenous estrogens or endogenous estrogens or you need to put more effort into improving your own um, androgen profile. None of those things are going to be negative and if the habits that go with them are related to positive you know, lifestyle changes, um, potentially putting more effort into recovery, um, yeah, using some, you know, ultra, uh, some sauna, things like that, infrared sauna for detoxification. If those are the repercussions of, of what's coming from the testing, then you, you really got nothing to lose with applying the protocols. Um, I don't think you have to go too far with the supplements, but there probably is some benefit. You know, I think there definitely is some benefit to some of the supplementation. Um, so the biosignature method is probably, one of the best ones, the biggest drawback on that and the reason why I don't use it is because you need to have the same tester and you want to have access to the, to the same tester quite regularly. Okay. So one of the reasons why Charles and, and, you know, people applying biosignature method can get great results is testing every five days, testing every seven days. Okay. So exactly what I'm saying is the protocol working? Let's test it week to week. And if you, people know they're being assessed week to week, then that makes the actions of every minute of every day much more valuable and much more likely to be, you know, in harmony with the big goal if 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 that testing is regular. So knowing that a DEXA scan may pop up in a few months is not going to influence whether someone grabs the dessert or grabs a lollipop or grabs, you know, a Gatorade after a training session 
as much as knowing that um, you know they're going to be tested at the end of the week or tested every five days. So that regular accountability is a good thing. The other thing is a bit slow. Um, I found in the big team environment when you've sort of got windows of access to players, it's very difficult to sort of be testing everyone. You almost need one of your assistants or interns to be trained in it and for them just to be constantly kind of picking players off and, and getting that done. The other issue around that is that you want it to be done at the same time of day under similar conditions. So, I, you know, you want to do it before they've trained. It does, I, I've done it both ways and I haven't seen massive variation with doing it after they've trained. Um, sometimes I just sort of had to. But if you're getting it done before they train – um, and you've got a big squad, then yeah, it's it's a it's a fairly challenging time commitment. Uh, the electrical impedance stuff, like in body, and there's a lot of different brands. You know, some of those ones are you know multi thousand dollar machines. Um, you can also get the sort of the bathroom scale version with the bioelectrical impedance that will tell you body fat. Uh, personally, I, I've seen really bad results with with those. Um, you know, hearing people's results and scans like. I see fat people getting really low scores. I see people, you know, having huge jump in body fat when they've been doing, you know, been training really consistently. Um, I was just listening to uh, Keto Savage and uh, Keto Collective, I think is the other guy. And they were sort of talking about the results that they'd had through a period of um, keto bulking. And they were just getting like crazy numbers. And I just hear that too often where numbers are coming up that are like, you know, they had like a five or eight percent body fat increase over the over um, a few months when they're training consistently and eating, you know, according to the plan. And you know, I just I just uh, think that there's too much variation with those things, and and they seem to throw out some really weird results. Um, so I'm not a big fan of the electrical impedance. Probably is still better than nothing, especially just from that point of view of if you know you're going to get tested, then you might not eat as much. Um, junk and you might get your training done a little bit better and you might get to bed a bit more on time so from an accountability point of view good but from a reliability of results point of view not so much again like for most gyms it's going to be a hassle to kind of get it in every now and then you're going to have to pay for it uh, as a separate sort of cost whether you pass that on if you, if you pass that on to clients then some of them are going to get it done so lots of limitations and negatives also to those ones if you own one then it's a big financial outlay but then you have it um, and then you can really put it to the test, I guess. I know that people have jumped on and off and got like 10% difference in results um, just by playing around with hydration and, and training and that sort of thing. Like within a couple of hours, it's possible to swing results by as much as 10%. So uh, for me, that method is, is not reliable, not useful other than um, if you... Yeah, other than as something that might positively influence behaviors because you know it's coming up. But the data itself, I wouldn't put too much uh, backing on. The DEXA scan, generally they recommend that you don't do it more often than every three months uh, is my understanding. And they tell you it's completely safe. Those two pieces of advice tend to contradict each other in my mind. If they're completely safe, why don't you just get let people go in and, and do it every day? Uh, if it's you know if it's completely safe, then it's completely safe. If it's not completely safe, and you don't want people getting in there, you know, once a week to do it, then it's not completely safe. So I, I don't think that we've got longitudinal data on that to show that it's going to be fine. If 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 it's out there and I haven't seen it, then let me know. But if uh, people have you know had a scan a week for a number of years, you know, let's say fifty years, and there's no negative results to that then uh, I'll start to recommend DEXAs. But otherwise, I would recommend not using the DEXA. 
Uh, it's probably not the end of the world to do one every three to six months over a period of a couple of years, but personally, I wouldn't do it. Um, yeah, the results that you can get from them, I think, are, are pretty good. They're still not uh, completely foolproof. I've seen people have results of a large change in brain mass re recorded on DEXA scans, um, which is probably pretty unlikely. They didn't have a huge change in intelligence in that time. So um, yeah, like like anything, there there is still a degree of error. Probably is the best number that you're going to get. Uh, but the challenge, yeah, one, it's expensive, and two, uh, I'm not convinced that it's a, a you know, healthy option to do, to use consistently. Probably a lot less than MRIs and things like that, um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that I would uh, I'd be recommending them to anyone. So there's also the bod pod, like water weighing type approach. Again, that one's pretty cool, but time consuming, costly, inconvenient. Uh, if you can get it done, get it done, but if you can't get it done regularly, then it's not that not that useful. And I really like the idea of having something that gives you data each week. Okay, so at the moment we've got BioSig that stands up for that, and we've got sort of like photos and just your tracking your body weight. Um, the one that I would recommend, and I think is still you know massively underutilized, uh, is called the Sculpt device. Okay, the Sculpt device uh, is composition. Uh, myography and it's a device that comes out of harvard it was developed mostly to assess the rate of muscle decline in als or lou gehrig's disease um, but it actually has show, it actually shows body fat as well and it seems kind of ridiculous it's a little device that you push against the the skin on different parts of the body it's about 8 12 centimeters long something like that and it will tell you a body fat percentage for that limb. Um, it's based on frequencies and electrical resistance in the, in the muscle and muscle resistance versus uh, fat resistance. It can scan for basically muscle fat bone. Uh, and yeah, it, it seemed too good to be true, but I heard about it through keto gains and yeah, I've, I've used it. I've probably had one for, I can, look on the device and see, but it's almost 12 months. And I don't think I've ever had a result more than sort of uh, 2% variance. Okay. So I don't think my body fat has changed that much at any stage through this. I don't think it's missing a massive change, but I think the lowest measure I've had is maybe a 7.9 and the highest, maybe I think I've had a 10.8 as is the highest. And then the next highest is like 10.3. Okay. So that's probably a fair, fluctuation of roughly what I've had. Um, I've tried testing it every day because you can do a quick scan on it. The quick scan is generally within 1% of the, the full body scan. The full body scan takes about five minutes as long as you don't get any trouble. Every now and then one site doesn't want to scan and that's a bit of a pain in the butt, but I seem to be getting that issue less and less now that I'm more familiar with actually using the device, um, just jiggling it around and sort of knowing where to put it. Uh, very, very happy with the numbers that, that come from it. So you can do the quick scan each morning and, and it basically it's, it's takes hardly any time, like hardly longer than just taking your morning body weight on the scales and you've got a, a body fat reading. When I do that daily, uh, yeah, you again, you'll see some variation day to day, just like your body fat. 
you know, you, uh, your body, your, your weight on the scale, you can measure and, and vary by 0.3, 0.5. Every now and then you might even have a, a one kilo difference day to day. Uh, if you've got more irregular bowel movements or if you're a bigger person, then you could have even more than one kilo swing day to day. Or if you're inconsistent with your carbohydrate intake as well, then you can see big swings day to day. Um, when you're fairly consistent, if you're low carb and your nutrition's fairly consistent, then you don't, you know, I can often have the same weight, body weight day to day. So it can be, yeah, 82.7, 82.7, 82.8, 82.75. Like it's, it's not, it's common enough for me to see it like that. Um, in the last, week and a bit I've put on a little bit of weight so it's like been 83 83.3 but um yeah like an 82.7 whatever so those numbers are coming back and there's a small variation you're going to see that same sort of small variation if you were doing a DEXA scan every day if you were doing any kind of measurement that you're doing every day if you did bod pod every day you would also see some degree of variation so on the sculpt generally like a 0.3, 0.5 type variation. Biosig was probably even smaller than that. I did find Biosig to be, you know, highly consistent, the numbers, um, once you've done the testing for a while. But I can't do that on myself. So I don't get that week to week, did I win? In, bo- in body composition, you can't get that out of the Biosig unless you have someone to test you. So with the sculpt, I do that at least once a week. Uh, I have had periods where I just did it every day just to put the device to the test. And I'm really happy with composition, myography. I think the science is is really powerful there. There, It has been applied um, to muscle injuries as well. There's some research there around using it for muscle injuries in soccer. Um, so with a muscle strain, there'll be a decrease in muscle quality. And then you can actually retrain that and see the number come up as you return to health. So for uh, physios and people who work in you know, like rehabilitation settings, I think it's definitely worth uh, looking at and there seems to be like there is some research there that suggests that there's value in those numbers and, and, and having some stuff to qualitatively, objectively say, is this muscle getting back to, to full strength? So um, yeah, basically that gives you a number out of 100. Generally, most of my upper body muscles will be like 97 plus. So it's showing like very high muscle conductivity, high muscle quality. My calves and my glutes and, and sometimes uh, hamstrings will be like in the 70s. So like pretty – it's still considered like athletic on the device. It's not like at the bottom, but uh, much lower. And that tends to go with the body fat levels of those sites. So those hot sites scan higher on body fat, which they also do on the biosig. When I get that tested, like they will be the priority areas. Um so that that data, so it tells you two things. It tells you muscle quality and it tells you body fat percentage. And yeah, I find the device extremely uh, useful, effective. It's not 100% foolproof, but it's uh, the best thing that, that's out there as far as I can see. So once you've got that body fat, you've got your body fat measurement, you've got your scale weight. Generally that morning scale weight is the one that, that we want without food. Then what we can do is add in height and from that we can calculate exactly the amount of fat mass that we have, exactly the amount of lean mass that we have and that will give us our muscle number. Okay, So punching these numbers into uh, the Real You app will give you a muscle number. Improving your muscle number shows that you've improved your overall uh, body composition. So 
it's this is uh well your muscle number is, is purely the amount of muscle that you have so it's increasing the amount of lean mass that you have but you need to have your body fat percentage so you can take your fat mass from your total mass and then that, that gives you your lean mass so if we're having an increase in lean mass increasing muscle number then we will uh, also um, we can compare that also to the body fat percentage. If the muscle number is going up and the body fat percentage is staying the same, then it means, yes, we have added a little bit of fat, but comparatively, relatively, we, we're getting to a better position in terms of muscle. Okay, so boiling this down, what it's about is compared to your height, how much muscle do you have? And by getting a number on this, we can have an idea of, you know, just basically how, how muscular we are relative to height. Okay. So it's, this is a very useful measure in a sport where muscularity matters or just if you care about muscularity, because scale weight doesn't tell you where you're at compared to your height. A six foot one front rower who weighs 105 kilos might feel like I need to be 112 kilos because the six foot, you know, six front rower is 110, 112 kilos. But if you do the calculations, then the, the guy at 105 kilos may actually have a much higher muscle number. So he much, he might be, you know, already at 110, which would suggest that he is way above where most people would get to without steroids. Um, it doesn't mean that he has used steroids. It just means he's above, you know, he's on the bell curve. He's, he's way above average, you know, maximal muscle, uh, addition. So, is it likely that he's going to get to 115 or 120 muscle number? Like probably not that much. 100 is on a muscle number is is sort of your generally considered like your average um, natural muscle potential. And this is based off uh, fat. It's it's basically a quotient connected to fat-free mass uh, index, and that's adjusted for height. Okay, so you need your adjusted fat-free mass index, um, and yeah, you just punch it into the app, and it'll give you the numbers. But that fat-free mass index is a much better measure. Adjusted for height is a much better measure of if you're, you know, near your maximum potential than like your body weight or, you know, how big your arms are or whatever. It's it's difficult to to sort of say, you know, you, and it's not useful to say, oh yeah, this guy is at his 100% potential. But knowing that for an average guy. If they get to a hundred muscle number, they've done really, really well. They're a very muscular man. 110. You know, Mitch Pike is 110. Sonny Williams 110. I've got this stuff on my website. You know, for a, a lot of different athletes, uh, a lot of your rugby league players, top rugby league players, uh, you'll find that, like I've done, the average for uh, for a team and, and an average of a hundred is is about what you'll see. Um, but if you go across different athletes, different sports, you'll see, you know, Messi and Ronaldo and these guys, like soccer players, you'll find around the 80 muscle number. So you can, you know, a lot of people think Cristiano Ronaldo looks amazing. He muscle number of around 80, very, very achievable. It's not holding uh, a whole, a, a ton of, of muscle mass, you know. Um, oh, let's, yeah, 80, 85 is uh, Ronaldo. But guys like Froning and Fr Matt Fraser, yeah, they're at 102, okay? So they're above what would be considered natural muscle potential. Now, people want to throw stones and say everybody in CrossFit's on steroids, but everybody in CrossFit is not on steroids. And a lot of people have got to really, you know, strong muscular physiques. Um, you can you can raise the question, but 
for sure, there's a lot of people there who are doing really well who aren't uh, using Brett Fikowski. We've got at 104. Um, CrossFit Games average 2009 was 97 muscle number. 2014, 99. 2016, 102. Okay, so you can see a clear trend there of increasing muscle number. And I'm sure you would see exactly the same trend if you did it over the NRL over the last 20, 30 years. Okay, so there's an intent, a, a tendency to increase muscle relative to height okay lean mass relative to height so increasing just in terms of body mass for sure you'll see it as well but we're interested more so in in what what change there is in lean mass total body mass is also going to be important okay for elite athletes total body mass definitely does matter if you're in weight classes for lifting uh, to be an nrl player you know there's a certain uh you know you, you need to have mass whether that some of that mass is fat you know you, the the mass is probably the primary determinant and then the more of that can be lean the better okay but you don't want to be the guy with the, you know super light even with even if you've got quite a bit of lean mass compared to your height but if you're super lean and you're light then you know you're not necessarily going to um, have a place to play now sunny bill williams had the best of both worlds there muscle number of around 108 Okay, 98 kilos of, of lean tissue. You know, there's not many guys who, who get to get to compete with with that. You know, Anthony Joshua, the heavyweight boxer, similar sort of thing. Okay, so tracking your muscle number from year to year is is a really good way to to see if you are improving. And if you can do that at the same body fat percentage or a lower body fat percentage, uh, then you're definitely winning. The reason why I adjusted the fat free mass index height adjusted fat free mass index muscle number is actually a lot more catchy than height adjusted fat free mass index and i times it by four basically just to make the number fall around 100 rather than around 25 Um, and that also makes the number a little bit more sensitive to change okay so you can you know seeing a change of one digit or two digits in your muscle number is means that you've made a good change which would only be 0.25 or 0.5 on the height adjusted fat free mass index okay so Hopefully it makes sense why we're uh, why we're doing it that way. Um, I would highly recommend you know using this method as a method to track progress uh, for your clients and, and for yourself. You see big changes in muscle number um, if you're getting big results, and you you know gradually it will become very hard to, to make change. It will become you know yeah challenging to to make any shift in muscle number. But it's good to know where you're at. If you're at 110 and you're struggling to make change. Well, you can still be thankful that you went way beyond the average athletic potential, uh, the average hypertrophy potential of of most people. You know, according to the to the numbers. Um, my own muscle number is just under ninety two. I'm really keen to try to get to ninety five, and I think you know that's still under what is considered like the the natural threshold. I'm not sure if I will ever get to that. Uh, I think maybe I missed a few years where my health and digestive health wasn't good enough to to maximize my training uh, through my teens and my 20s. We'll see. We'll see what this year holds. Um, I'm definitely getting close to the best shape I've been in 
Um, and yeah, tracking these these numbers in this way it quantifies things. So does this mean we're all bodybuilders? 100% no. Okay, so this isn't just relative, relevant for bodybuilders. This is relevant for anyone who wants to compete in a certain weight category. This is relevant for anyone who power to weight ratio matters. Okay, so if you're a sprinter, no option. You need to be single digit body fat, probably closer to six than 10% uh, if you want to compete in, in sprinting. Um, so all these numbers matter and being able to measure this stuff matters. If you, if you can give this feedback to your, uh, to your athletes, then, you know, that's going to play a part. Some sports, you don't have to be as lean as other sports. You know, in rugby league, you don't need to be 6%. There might be the odd guy who gets close, you know, under 10, but most guys are going to sit, you know, 10 to 14% because holding mass is more important than, um, being super super lean if you uh, if you want to hold maximum maximum mass like world's strongest man guys like the fat p- plays a part in their strength but they're actually holding a ton of mass as well when we tested this fat free mass index in uh, in college football players you know the studies that test that show college football players will have uh the linemen are the ones that are going to have the most muscle mass. Okay. So the linemen will always have the most muscle mass because their bodies are basically defending themselves against excessive, like super, super huge amounts of calories. Just think about the calves and the quads of, of heavy people. Think about wearing a 50 kilogram weighted vest everywhere you go all day, every day. And that's kind of a bit of the case for high volume, high frequency training as well, right? The massive calves that you see on overweight people and the massive forearms that you see on mechanics, like you you don't really see exceptions to that. Like the the calves have to be massive and the body has no other option really, but, but to build massive calves um, when there's just a huge amount of weight being carried around. So you can look at all the neurotyping stuff and, you know, I find it really interesting. Um, but bottom line, it's, it's you know, the body will adapt to volume um, if, if it has to. And that's, that's kind of uh, a big part of the picture here around hypertrophy. We won't talk too much about hypertrophy training, but um, understand that maximum, maximum mass, there's, you know, it's going to come with, you can only get there if you're willing to be obese. Um, so, lean mass it's going to be a different picture it's, as far as i understand it I, don't, I really don't think there's too much a way around it there's probably going to be a few genetic freaks but i would say even for those guys they would add more mass if they allow themselves to become uh, obese as well as doing the same training that they've been doing okay so we've covered why the body fat test we need to body fat test to be able to know if we're progressing from from week to week um photos if we add a little bit of muscle mass but we also add a bit of fat very difficult to see that in a photo you know week to week over a few months over six months over 12 months for sure you can see differences in photos and that's cool Um, but in short term it's it's not a very good measure um we want to be able to say, was this week a win or was it not? And and stack them. Was this month a win or was it not? Okay, so um, yeah, that's a big part of why we want to do it. That's why we want to. That's when we want to do it is weekly um, testing that that body fat measurement, testing body weight each morning. Take the average for the week. 
Uh, I highly recommending the sculpt method if you can work with a coach who's going to use biosig. Yeah, like there's a case for it, especially if you really um, want to go like competitive bodybuilding side and you can get it done regularly. I'll probably say the biosig would be a better way to go than the sculpt. But for 99% of people, they're not going to have the time or access to be uh, getting the biosig done um, that often. It's not that much better that's worth you know traveling a long way or making a big financial sacrifice to be able to get that style of testing done. So I'm, I guess I'm highly recommending the uh, the sculpt method method for now because there's really nothing else that can do the same job. Okay, so track your numbers week to week. And you, you know, that is a door to, to progress. That will influence everything you eat. That will influence how hard you train, how well you train. If you know that someone else is checking out those numbers, if you know that there's a clear outcome required, you know, towards uh, at a certain period of time in the future, then all those things will help. Uh, but this is sort of the the way I'm seeing uh, body fat testing. So I would recommend that you uh, invest the sculpt device you can buy i think sculpt.com they're like 100 bucks us uh, i have no affiliation to them you can buy it on, i think on ebay for i think 120 or 140 um, yeah they don't do any kind of affiliate thing so there's no possibility that i'm getting money for this heaps of people have bought them as a result of my recommendation uh, only one person that i know of didn't like the device i think it was I don't know whether they got a funky reading or it just wouldn't read one day. Um, both of which have happened to me a couple of times, but yeah, out of the hundreds of times that I've used it myself and on other people, really happy with the numbers that, that we're getting. Um, I don't see people who look like 20% getting 15% readings like you see with the in-body. Um, I don't see them getting 35 or if they do get a 35, like I have seen it, couple of times someone who looks like they're 20% they get a reading of like 35 or 40% like mm, yeah maybe something's wrong there do it again you get 20% do it again you get 20% do it again you get 20% so that's that's kind of the pattern I've seen with that so yeah I recommend it get into it if you do care about your body composition then don't lie to yourself and if you, if that's your main motivation then find you know get accountable to it Get 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 some objective measures and uh, let's see some progress and you know get to who you want to be get to where you want to be look in the mirror and see someone you're proud of you know that's what this is about uh, I I think that there's nothing wrong with that you know I think there's there is a certain degree of vanity and if it means you uh, you know you improve your health and you know you treat yourself with more respect then I think that's a, a positive thing there's a point where it becomes a self-obsession that you stop caring about other people or you look down on other people or that sort of thing. You know, that's definitely not where we want to go with this, but yeah, be your best and hold yourself accountable to it and, you know, leverage some stuff so that every time you walk past Krispy Kremes or drive past a McDonald's, you feel like actually, no, I'm going to scan at the end of this week. And, you know, I know what my goals are at the end of this quarter and other people know what those goals are. And I'm actually going to go towards this rather than that, you know, like get it, get it done. You know, that's, that's what these numbers help us to do. The muscle number gives us an idea of, you know, what's realistic. If, if the goals that you've set yourself in terms of your body weight and ideal body composition, like you can put your goals in, uh, if those goals mean 120 muscle number and you're currently at 86, then you know that's a 10 to 20 year project 
and may require steroids, you know, so you can get an idea of whether, you know, it's, it's doable or not and whether or not you'd want to go down that path um, or at least the size of the task, not whether it's doable or not because, you know, no one knows what's, what's truly possible, what the, what the potential is. But if you're going to be one of the most muscular people in history, then at least have the idea that that's what you're shooting for and that um, it's probably going to take actions that very few humans have ever taken, right? If we take those actions that very few people have ever taken, then there's a possibility to, to get results that very few people have ever had. Um, so understand the size of the the thing that you're going after. Is it a seven ball juggle type target or is it a three ball juggle? Three ball juggle type target is getting yourself to muscle number of 85 um, with, you know, 12% body fat. Like that's, that's three ball. That's just doing things reasonably well. And, you know, you're not trying to go anywhere beyond anything kind of normal for you. You know, it's almost like a club level soccer player, you know, is kind of physique, um, so that's something that's very achievable. But if your goal, when you punch your numbers in, in terms of the mass that you want to get to for your height and body body composition, if it's above 100, then know that it's a place that not that many people have been to and you should really work um, super hard to get there if you want to get there. Okay, so that's uh, that's body fat. Appreciate your support. We've been getting uh, yeah heaps of downloads, heaps of uh, good feedback. Love to see you uh, subscribe and uh, any reviews on the podcast are also massively appreciated. If there is a topic that you would love to hear more about, then please reach out here. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, I love hearing your feedback. Uh, this, what we've spoken about today, can make all the difference. If you get your body composition right, then your performance can go to another level. Your self-image can go to another level. The physical presence that you have, if you want to be a presenter, if you want to have an impact on the world, your physical presence is going to make a difference. Anthony Robbins has a massive physical presence. Now, recently, down at Mitch's gym in Canberra, Metamorph, seeing the physical presence of Mitch Pike with the message he delivers, you can't separate one from the other. Okay, So move into that physical presence that you want to have. Embody your message, embody your message, make it clear to people exactly what you stand for, even before they've heard a word that you want to say. Okay, so people want to look first, they want to look and see that you're congruent with your message, they want to feel the energy from you. And then they'll start to listen. Okay, if no one's listening to you, it's because when they look and when they feel the energy, they're they're not feeling that this is what you're all about. So let's uh, continue to make improvements. Send me your goals, send me the thing that you're missing, send me the thing that's making the biggest difference to you. What helped you make the biggest change in your body composition? Love to hear your thoughts. Thanks for jumping on. Talk to you very soon. Keegan Smith for the Keegan Smith Experience. Man, that guy can talk. But he does it because he loves it. If you loved it, share it. Give us some feedback. What was great? What didn't you like? What was your biggest take-home message? Make sure you stay in touch with us on Instagram and share your wins, people. This win is only going to come if we do it together. We have to take ourselves further. By taking ourselves further, we give permission for everybody around us to make positive changes in their lives and to become the people who they want to become. Everybody's changing the world. You are changing the world. 
Let's do this together. Let's see how far we can take it. Imagine, imagine if we all put our full heart into becoming the best versions of ourselves every single day.